Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man who goes by Dennis Solari, because you know, Phil is dead. He is the captain. That's why I make all my passengers sign a waiver. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling your Phil. We are sipping on Carlson Amber Ale by the Exquisite Brewers over at the Elizabeth Brewing Company from out west in Elizabeth, Colorado. This medium-bodied, tawny-colored ale is brewed with roasted barley and dark crystal malts, making it almost as nutty as the captain, and we have been drinking cold beer thanks to our good friends right here. First up, cheers to Nicole in Houston, Texas. And a big shout-out to Sherry. Oh, Sherry! From Kaysville, Utah. Next up, a cheers to our friend Allie all the way out in Australia. Yeah, it's a shame about those fires right now in Australia. Big shout out to Jesse in Columbus, Ohio. Next up, we have a cheers to Maya in Paris, France. Wee wee. And last but not least, we have a big high five to Samantha in Salem, Oregon. Thanks to everybody for filling up the fridge for this week's show. If you want to help us out with next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on that tiny little donate button. And right now, till January 12th, you can order a Zodiac zip-up hoodie or the True Crime Garage Brewing Company pullover hoodie. Those are on pre-order right now till January 12th. Go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the store page. That is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
Days after Jennifer vanished, around 8.15 a.m. on Thursday, January 26, the Orlando Police Department received a call from a resident at what was at the time described by many as a seedy apartment complex. Or like the Krispy Colonel would call it, poopy. That's a real estate term. This is just one mile down the road from Jennifer's condo. The apartment complex is called Huntington on the Green. Now, Huntington on the Green was a straight shot from Jennifer's condo complex down Conroy Road, which turned into Americana Boulevard and then a quick left on South Texas Avenue. This brought you to the entrance of Huntington on the Green. This complex was in a significantly less desirable area than Mosaic at Millennia, in an area known for drugs and prostitution. Joyce Kessie said that Jen would never go to this area of town. The caller from Huntington on the Green had seen the stories about Jennifer Kessie all over the local news and believed that her car, Jennifer's car, was parked in the lot across from the Huntington on the Green pool. The police checked it out, and sure enough, it was Jennifer's black four-door Chevy Malibu. The doors were locked, and it was parked front end in the in a visitor's spot in the lot. Oh, yeah, you want to lock the doors because it's a bad area. Now, we have no idea who this caller was, who called to report the vehicle that they believe to be the missing girl's. The Orlando Police Department has never addressed the identity of this person. The car was locked, and one report we've seen says that Jennifer had a coded key, not one that could be copied. So if that's true, whoever accessed the car did so using Jennifer's own keys. Mm -hmm. The Orlando Police Department never asked Drew for his spare key to Jennifer's car. So it's not clear how they opened it. Apparently, police had their eye on Jennifer's boyfriend, Rob, as a possible suspect. We can surmise this because he was called to the location of the car by the police department, and he was made to stand by as they pried open the trunk. This is strange to me. I've seen this in many cases, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, and, and this is to, they want to observe the reaction of the person who, at the time, is probably their prime suspect. Right, but everybody reacts differently. Correct. So, so their idea is that we found this car, or somebody told us where the car was. We go check it out. It's Jennifer's car. Our number one suspect right now is her boyfriend. But this is also because they've been telling the parents and everybody else who will listen. Well, we think that she just had an argument with her boyfriend and she went off for a while and she'll be back. But now they're going, okay, well, our our number one suspect is the boyfriend. Let's take him to the car. And when we open up the trunk, because we might find her there, we want to see what his reaction is if if they open up that trunk and she is in there. That's a, that's breaking it down, right? I think they want to see his reaction either way. Okay. The problem with this tactic, just like many other police and detective tactics, is you, in a sense, you're showing your hand a bit because while you want him there to observe his reaction to right. whether she's in the trunk or not, 
you're also giving up some details about the car should you because he's there he's an observer yeah so but also you're running the risk of showing your hand to him and if he's your number one suspect now he becomes less cooperative lawyer up mm -hmm. become less cooperative mm -hmm. and i think the other thing too is that you want to not just observe his reaction and this might even be more key because as you very astutely pointed out everyone reacts differently to any given situation so there's you can't just write down oh he did this and and we find that to be guilt that's not you can't sell that to a jury you can attempt to you don't know that they're going to buy it or not no what i think this provides you more so is if she is in the trunk god forbid you want to you want to question him immediately you want him in a state of, of vulnerability when you start to question him. And you might be able to get that on the scene at that moment. Right. Rather than him being able to prepare himself, be it emotionally or otherwise, with a phone call that says, hey, we found her car, we found her body, we need you to come down to the police department to answer some questions. No, and now it's, hey, good news. We just found her car. It's over here. Can you be there? Oh, you can? Great. Uh, perfect, because we are. We just found it. We're getting ready to open it up, and we're probably going to need your assistance, and we're probably going to have some questions. Yeah, I'm guessing there's two detectives, so if it was me and you, who would open up the trunk and who would be staring at his face? I, I, don't, I don't think that matters. There's probably a team of people there, not just two detectives. Hmm. Now, to everyone's relief... And we know this, obviously, Captain. Jennifer was not in the trunk of her car. Police put the car on a flatbed without locking it and removed it for processing. Here is what we know. Right, was hold on. So they, they didn't process the condo, but they're going to process the car. Okay. Here's what we know was found. There was one small fiber found, one latent print that has no match has been made to date. A DVD player was strapped into the back seat with the seat belt. A cell phone car charger unplugged wrapped around the gear shift. A pair of expensive sunglasses that Jen wore to St. Croix. Mm -hmm. Flip-flops. Jen's broken mail key. Okay, now we mentioned earlier that her key ring contained her car keys, contained her house keys, and a mail key. This mail key was broken um, and had been replaced. So there was a new operating key, operable key on her keychain. Uh -huh. Whatever was in the trunk, this is interesting, has never been disclosed or discussed by Orlando Police Department. Uh -huh. That's curious, right? Remember the missing briefcase, her work briefcase. Right. Which Some of her friends have said, she may, she kept it in the vehicle sometimes overnight, you know, like that. I think that's a pretty normal thing. Like if there's something that you're not so, you're not really worried about anybody taking it. Right. And it's something that you, all you are doing essentially is lugging it, schlepping it from your vehicle to your home and then back again, first thing in the morning. I think we all do that. Sometimes there's, there's things that you just go, I better off leave the, leaving this in my car. Well, yeah, sometimes you need it because you want to do some work at home, but most of the time you can leave it in your car. I used to do that all the time. I had a book bag that I'd take to guitar lessons with me, and 
Most of the time, I didn't need it. So on top of that, we have some friends saying that she likely at times would put this in the trunk of the car. Uh-huh. So what I find interesting about this whole thing is we have a trunk that was opened, that was processed. There may have been something in it. There may not have been. Whatever was in that trunk has never been publicly released, has never been discussed by the police department. But what I'm getting at here is one of the items that is determined to be missing and still missing to this day is her work briefcase, which could have been in the trunk of that car. I'm just simply pointing out there is a chance Mm -hmm. that for whatever reason, it's not actually missing. The detectives have it. The police department has it. What is that uh, website you were talking about? There's a Facebook page and there's also the uh, website. Okay. So it's jenniferkessie.com. Okay. And then the Facebook page, I believe it is help find Jennifer Kessie Facebook page. Okay. So the, but the boyfriend is still friends with the family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no problems there. Right. So I was just wondering, like, he would have some information of what was in that trunk. And so I didn't know if they had any information on one of those websites about what was in the trunk. I'm I'm guessing he might actually not remember, though, because he's probably so relieved not to find traumatized by the possibilities. Right. You know, that before they bust open that trunk. The other thing, too, is he may have been told to stand back. You right. know what I mean? To stand to stand a little ways away. And then if they open up the trunk and find what, right. whatever their strategy is for having him there, then you, you have him approach or you're, you were telling him, this is what we found. Is this, if you were a detective, is this a strategy you think you'd use? I would use it for the purpose of not so much his reaction or or judging his reaction. I would use it for the purpose of questioning him immediately. when Afterwards, he, right. Because right. he's going to be vulnerable either way. Either he's innocent, that he's a victim, and his, his girlfriend, potential love of his life, was just killed. Right, throw him off guard. And he finds out, this is still days, there's still hope at this time for all of her loved ones that she is going to come back. Yeah. No matter how she was taken or why she is gone, there's a good chance we're talking depending on how you you cut it. You know, we 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 said that 10-hour window of time, she could still only be missing technically for 48 hours by this point. Right. So you want to question him when he's vulnerable. And I mean vulnerable either way. Either he's innocent and they find her and you're going to throw him at questions and he may agree to be questioned and and talk with you at length. Or he's guilty in hiding something and he's vulnerable of his, from the standpoint of he's got something to hide. Mm-hmm. And now you and him know it all at the same time. So I would use it from, from that uh from that perspective. All right. So we don't know what was found in the trunk and we don't know what was missing from the trunk. Correct. And here's the other thing though, too, some of these items, they're not very specific on where they're found in the car. So just to be clear, we're not saying when we say they say they've never said what was in the trunk or what was not, we're not saying that any of these items were not found in the trunk. We just don't know. We're going based off of, what the police has stated regarding this vehicle. One thing that I found to be extremely interesting, and this is an area where they did seem to put a lot of effort and do their due diligence, was they checked the gas level 
of the car. And their statement was that the level, the gas level in the vehicle was consistent with Jennifer gassing up in Fort Lauderdale and then driving to work in a Coe on Monday and then driving home from work Monday night. So whatever happened in this car, it did not travel a long way unless someone put more gas in the tank. They could determine that the car did not go through any tolls or toll booths. Remember that Jen drove through one daily to and from work. So her car did not pass through this toll or any other tolls since she did herself at 6.15 p.m. on Monday night. So what this means here is, and you and I both lean toward the side that she, whatever took place, whatever happened to her, it happened after she got ready for work. And so if you want to use that as your angle, as your go-to, then what we can point out here is she didn't make it very, if she got to her car and started driving toward work, she did not get very far because she did not pass through this toll again, nor did whomever took her. In the photos available of Jennifer's car, there is what appears to be some dried mud that is visible on the lower driver's side door panel, and possibly on the tires as well. There was some DNA that was found. Now, that is about as much as we know about the DNA was found statement. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I understand why they have to keep so much to their chest, right? Hold it close to the vest. But I wish we knew. But what else wasn't found? I would guess, Captain, that likely this could just be something as basic and unfortunate as touch DNA, which is, it does have some use, but Mm -hmm. could be less. This also could be, you know, if they found a hair, you know, because one of the statements is, one small fiber. Well, there's chance that there could be often this is not the case, but there is a chance that there could be DNA on that hair right, or right. fiber that was found. So what was not found was some of Jennifer's stuff. This being like her car keys, her purse, her iPod and either cell phone, hers and Travis's cell phones were not found in the vehicle. If anything else was found other than the items listed above, the Orlando Police Department has never made this public or addressed it. One thing that we do know, though, because Rob observed this, remember he's near the vehicle or on the scene at the time, Rob says that Jennifer's driver's seat was pushed way back, further back in his opinion more so than what Jennifer would have left it. This could imply that whomever last operated the vehicle was taller than Jennifer, who is listed at 5'7 or 5'8. There was no evidence of any disturbance inside the car, however. As Joyce told CNN, quote, there was no sign of trauma in the vehicle whatsoever, end quote. The Orlando Police Department believes that the car was wiped down, wiped clean. Crime scene techs scoured the Huntington on the green area and picked through a trash container. At one point, they are seen photographing a gym bag and some other items. It is not known whether these items are even related to Jennifer or Jennifer's case. Contrary to online rumors, her keychain was never found. There, there were some reports out there that eventually 
I think this was quite some time later, that a keychain and or a key fob belonging to Jennifer was later found. And that is just not true. But it's pretty clear that the vehicle was processed. Yes, everything from the car, this includes whatever was in the trunk, was sent to crime labs operated by the FBI and the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. So how did Jen's car get to Huntington on the green? Jen. Yeah, or Huntington on the poop. Jen never activated the satellite GPS system in the vehicle. This is because it cost a monthly fee. Police surveyed the area to see if there were any surveillance cameras. And sure enough, on the roof overlooking the pool area of this apartment complex mm. were some ancient, it was like 30-year-old cameras, which still took shots of the pool and parking lot area. This is every two to three seconds. So just to be clear here, this is not like a, a constant motion recording video recording this is more or less every couple of seconds snap a photo snap a photo snap a photo this would make somewhat you know herky jerky video when you try to watch it later the timestamp on the surveillance cameras was off by an hour and as you and i know that it's always off well we we discussed that and i have some i have some background in this being a security administrator for years at an expert at a condo complex yeah the thing that that often takes place and this is usually just by smaller operations we had a larger operation and and we were you know these were Mm, that's what she said these were higher skill leveled positions than what you find at most areas in most areas what you have is you have some third-party um, Boy Scout looking, well, that's giving them too much credit because the yeah. Boy Scouts would have been fantastic at, at security work. They're always prepared. The But this is some kind of rinky-dink operation that's usually hired off some third-party <laughs> operation that comes in. They don't really care. they're that, actually called rinky-dink security company. They're not, they're not invested in caring about the actual job. These are guys and women that come in there. They make slightly above minimum wage they're just there to sit in a seat and provide the optics of actual security what takes place then is the people in charge of these cameras regardless if they're 30 years old or 30 months old right when we fall ahead or spring forward no one bothers to update the time on the cameras so when you have to go back later and try to find something that creates another obstacle for trying to locate whatever it is that you may or may not be uh, what you believe you're looking for. So despite all of this, there was some useful material found on the footage stored in the cameras. Mm -hmm. Jennifer's Malibu drove into the parking lot at Huntington on the green around 1159 a.m. on Tuesday, January 24th. This is right around the time that the Kessies were mobilizing for their drive north. They've already been made aware something's going on. They are en route to get to Jennifer's place to see and find out what's going on. The car drove front end into a parking spot with its rear facing the camera. 
Whoever was driving stayed inside the car for 32 seconds before exiting the vehicle. Then another camera captured the same person walking on the sidewalk along the fence line surrounding the pool, the pool area, walking out of view, never looking back. This was big. Police had footage of the driver of the car of an abducted Jennifer Kessie. Surely this was going to be the break that the family and the detectives needed. But sadly, the black and white video footage does not help us find the killer or the abductor. Yeah. The person who walked away from the car, it's been released. They are estimated to be, this is by the FBI, estimated to be between five foot three inches and five foot five inches tall. Whoever this person is got the luckiest of all lucky breaks. Yeah, when you hear this, hold on to your seats right now. When you hear this, you're not going to believe it. Despite the fact that he or she is not in any way attempting at all to hide their face, his or her face is obscured by the fence post in every one of the shots taken by the camera. Yeah, there's three pictures, I believe, right? Yeah. And each time... And there's two thicker poles, and twice the person's face is blocked by the thicker pole. Yeah, you you know how I when, mean, when, how, when you have a fence and you you know you got all the, the little, uh, but then you have the post. Yeah. It's almost like this person got lucky enough that there they happened. The picture was taken at an angle, and their face, their what In I can only only guess would be a hideous, ugly face, ugly is completely face. covered by. The fence post, like you said, the thicker portions. I mean, yeah. you you can't get any luckier than that. Yeah, even if you paid somebody to try to recreate this, they probably couldn't do it. So Drew Kessie has stated publicly that even NASA tried to enhance these snapshots or the video, but what we can see online is the best that they say they could do. The only thing that we can tell for certain from the video is that the person of interest for that, what is what he or she was declared to be by law enforcement, right? It's believed to be wearing or shows wearing light colored clothing that appears white, black shoes and has his or her hair in possibly a bun or has some kind of hat on people who have seen this video usually believe that the person of interest is wearing some kind of uniform, like a painter's or drywaller's clothing, or even maybe a line cook uniform. But the Orlando Police Department has announced that the person of interest clothing was likely darker than it appeared and was not white. So Unconcluded was able to clarify that the video footage taken by that camera washed out everyone's clothing color right this comes from jennifer's mother joyce so what appears to be white clothes seemingly worn by the person of interest may in fact not be so white right shockingly even though the orlando police department finally released this video to the public after a year of keeping it under wraps releasing it only they only released the still shots taken from the video No one has been able to identify the person who we know to have been 
driving Jennifer's car. So just to be clear, we have those three shots that I was talking about, but you're claiming that there's also actual video. I can't say that for certain. Because if there was video, we'd be able to stop that video at different points to get, get us some kind of better look at this individual's hideous face well no because look at me the the way that the camera itself operated it's not operating every second it's not a complete consistent smooth motion uh it's just a yeah it's just getting a little bit here and there there is a lot of debate that there is portions of the video that has not been released and i think that's because we are only seeing um you know some snapshots that's what came out a year into this case and so there, there's been debate on what we're not seeing. Look, the whole purpose of releasing what they could see on there was to identify this guy. So if, if there is any footage, be it snapshot or otherwise, that shows this individual's face, there's no reason to not release that. You see what I mean? It's yeah. not like, we're, it's not like we're, there's some missing footage somewhere that police are holding on to that shows this person's face. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning 
Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Captain. 
so I want to ask you a question. When, when I'm looking at this, like like I said, I can see three different images, and that's just me googling. You can. That's just me googling. Um, Jennifer Keswick. Yeah, so surveillance is what I'm googling. Yeah, there's a bazillion places you can find the person of interest stills is what it's generally called here. And eventually the full video or it eventually video was actually released. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but really these stills show you as much of the person as, as you're going to see at any other point. Right. So I think, especially for people that are unfamiliar with this case, they probably if they're right now listening and they don't have the opportunity to look this up, probably want to know what we think we're seeing or what we're looking at. I will say this, like, like we already mentioned, the first thing I noticed there appears to be no, the person is in no way trying to hide or conceal their face. Right. It's just happenstance that we can't see this individual's face. And then to take that a step further I believe that that the person has no idea or maybe does not care that they could be seen filmed on camera, right? or yeah, seen on camera. Um, the other thing here too is with this fence and with this post, these, this is where I have a little bit of an issue with what the statements are from the police department saying that, you know, even though the, the, the person of interest even though their clothing may appear to be white or lighter in color, we've run some tests and it tends to white out or whitewash a lot of what the camera is picking up. Do we know if it does anything with the darker colors? Because if you look at that individual's shoes, there there's no detail. It looks like a shadow, basically. Well, and I think a lot of that is because of the distance between this person and the camera. Mm-hmm. The where I call this into question, and I'm not saying they're wrong, and I'm not saying that they're lying to us. I just when I look at this, I'm seeing different varying colors of of dark and light, right? And I I just it doesn't make sense to me. It seems to me like if it was going to whitewash or, or white out, it, it should be doing that to everything, right? Or or at least in some form or fashion. Now I do know that they, according to their statements, they came up with this by placing officers and FBI agents and such in front of these cameras and filming them Uh and then looking at it afterwards. And they're like, Oh, you're maybe your Brown jacket appeared to be gray or appeared to be almost white. Mm -hmm. So I agree with what they're saying where it's not reliable information. What our eyes are telling us here regarding the clothing color of the person of interest. However, we can clearly see a dark colored fence. It, it, It appears to me like, I feel I could confidently say this individual is wearing lighter cl- colored clothing. The other thing that I want to throw out there too is I can't say this with 100% certainty, but everything I'm seeing tells me that this individual is male. Um, Again, what was the height of the individual? Well, that's the other issue. They stated that the person that is in the video is either between five foot three inches tall and five foot five inches tall. Yeah, it's pretty small. 
The problem with that, according to Jennifer's father, is that the family was told that several agencies, different law enforcement agencies, tried to determine what the approximate height would be of the person seen in these photos. Right. And it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes or Albert Einstein to really try to figure this out because we have these fence posts. And there's these height markers along the way. If you were to throw in the angle of the camera and so on and so forth, you could get a general sense for what the height would be. However, the three different agencies came up with varying heights. Each one of them came up with something different. What they later told the family was, well, even though we had different thoughts on what the height of the individual could be, we just decided to go with what the FBI came up with. So, I don't know that that's 100%. Her father's on record as saying that they were told that they they were getting heights as tall as five foot 11. So I really feel like you have to go, this could be five foot three all the way up to five foot 11. I think you just six foot. I think you just take all, all of the, all of those numbers and just throw them in together. And that's the range that I believe we're looking at five foot three to five foot 11. There's also a, a big white sign which you would typically see on a pool area anywhere uh, that don't pee in the pool. Well, th- this individual would have, um, it would have concealed this individual somewhat, probably not the face looking at this angle, but yeah, the person gets lucky. I think what I'm seeing is a short haired male who is tanner than the, his skin tone is more tan than the shirt that he is wearing. Yeah, I agree. He's wearing dark shoes. And I don't see anything to indicate a hat. Some people say a hat. Um, I do uh, see what I think could be a bun, like a hairstyle with a bun, but that that's, what's often reported. Yeah. But I, you know what I think is given the illusion of this bun hairstyle. I think that it's the, the height of this individual contrasting against the fence that is is so dark in these pictures i believe right and but i also believe that it's the first picture the first picture it looks more like a male bob cut or something you know like a yeah you know what i mean i like, could see I, that. I don't see the bun in that in that picture the only time that i really see a bun is look i believe that's the third picture that was taken and the third picture to me i go Oh, that could be a bun. Yeah. If if you had to, if you had to ask me exactly what I believe I'm seeing, I believe I'm seeing a male and I, a lot of this is gut feeling captain. I don't ask me to point out hardcore evidence here. What my gut tells me I'm seeing is a male who's probably on the younger side. I would put him no older than late twenties. This could even be somebody that's, 17 to to 28 29 mm-hmm. his skin tone would be slightly tanner than his his the color of his shirt which again we don't know what the color of that is well have you seen the image and i would put him at just below to average height see somebody took a, the image and and reversed made it a negative and in the third image it almost looks like there's something uh, because where the head would be is in between like a triangle, like in the fence. And it oh, almost looks on the first image 
on the well yeah on the first image and on the third image the the back of the head is in that little triangle not triangle the, in the uh, corner of the, the square yeah 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 the rectangle and but it's almost like there's something blocking it so when they made it a negative it makes that what appears to be like a bun, a man bun. Or right, that's what I said earlier. I believe you're getting the appearance of that because of the contrast between this person's head and the the fence itself. Yeah. Because if you see, like it, it, it gives the appearance, and I can't tell if this looks like it's radiating from the sun, from you know that it's changing what the camera's picking up based off of the sun and the angles in play here. Yeah. And what you're getting is some flashing off of that fence, which is giving the appearance that there is nothing there where this individual clearly has darker hair, making yeah, it have the appearance of a bun, which it could be flush and flat there. Right. And then that's it definitely appears more that way when they reverse it and have a negative of the image. So I think that's a, a very good thing that you pointed out. So, yeah, I, for a minute I was leaning more towards female when I was looking at it. But now when you talk about the difference and, and the height that could be, you know, anywhere from yeah. five, three to five eleven, possibly even six foot. And I almost feel like it's the, the walk, the gait yeah, of the, the gate person. Is very long. Yeah. 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 It just, the, again, I, you know, the motion or the stills just feel to me like I'm seeing a, a man there. So we have bridge guy from uh, Delphi. I guess now we have fence guy Yeah, from here. Yeah. Um, we did say that the video was eventually released. This took place when, uh, Drew and Joyce Kessie persuaded the Orlando Police Department to release the video. This took place in May of 2007. This was in hopes that someone would recognize the suspect as one of the detectives on the case told CBS News, quote, we're hoping that somebody would come forward and say, oh, yeah, that's my boyfriend or that's my cousin. We know that did not happen. Right. Now, we have zero information about the supposed small amount of DNA found in Jen's car in 2016, a detective said that the DNA from the car or from items found in Jennifer's car would be sent in for retesting using new techniques. It has not, it's not known whether anything came of this more recent testing. Once the Orlando police department finished processing the Chevy Malibu, they did return this vehicle to Jen's parents. The car was a lease, and unfortunately, it was returned to the leasing company. So any new techniques for extracting evidence that they didn't find at the time or couldn't locate at the time cannot be done since this car is gone. So the thing here, though, Captain, I feel like is a very important question that we have to ask ourselves. Why did or why would the person of interest park her car at Huntington on the green? What is the motive for this movement? Because when we look at this, we have to, or we could easily, I know I shouldn't say have to, but we could easily surmise that whatever happened to 
Jennifer or whatever stopped her from going about her day as she routinely would, this took place before this vehicle was placed there. So potentially this was something that was unnecessary to the taking of Jennifer. This is something added that the person of interest, that's what they're calling the man seen in the footage. Right. This is something extra that, that he did. So what do we think could be the motives for this extra movement, this extra action? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I lean towards the idea that, that she, she could have been in her car and then she was carjacked and this could have happened right outside her condo or this could have happened on her way to work. And, and to me, then it just makes the most sense that she's hijacked and then, and then whatever, wherever they take her and then, and then they return the car because it's a lot easier to hide a body or a person than it is to hide a vehicle. Right. The the thing here though, is under that scenario, then we have to, there, there's a couple more ideas that would be involved in that. So one, there's no sign of trauma or struggle in the vehicle itself. Now that doesn't mean that somebody couldn't gain control of this young woman without there being a struggle that it's very possible, but we would have to assume that that then took place. Then take that a step further. Now, if she's not in the vehicle driving around her condo complex or immediately coming out of the condo complex, very likely the perpetrator, unless they decided to look at her address on her driver's license, mind you, she just moved there less than three months before, might not even be updated by this point, the the then driver, the perpetrator, would have no idea where the vehicle came from. So that would mean they're just picking a random spot. They didn't pick hunting Huntington on the green because they knew it to be different from the origin of the vehicle that morning. Right. What I'm pointing out here, and this is not 100%, your, your theory is as good as any out there until we know what happened to Jennifer Cassie. What I'm pointing out here is that if, in fact, this is an added action, and if, in fact, this took place, meaning she was abducted from her condo on the way from her condo to her car or as she's getting in her car, right. if that's what took place, then this is certainly an added action that is unnecessary to what the original motive would be. The original motive would be to abduct a young, attractive woman, right? not to abduct a young, attractive woman and move her car. What it points out to me that is, if in fact this is an added action, then what that means is the victim and the perpetrator have, they share something in common. And what they share in common is this condo complex. Now we need to set up a situation, a scenario where the police and detectives can easily surmise that she might not have been abducted from her condo or from the complex's grounds. Now I'm putting the vehicle in another location to give a whole different realm of possibilities, removing me or at least making me a less likely suspect because her and I, the perpetrator and the victim, share one thing in common, the condo complex. Right. But I think you're a little brazen to want to move the vehicle because it's uh, it gives you another scenario where you can get caught. 
And maybe you have some story that you can explain away why you have the car. But to me, if so, that would probably mean that you knew the victim better than just being acquaintances with her. Right. And that's where I say, what is the motive for this added action? Because you're putting yourself at further risk of getting caught. So that must have been great enough. The motive must have been great enough for you to risk that. And truly, you're right, and and I'm right. No one really knows for sure at the end of the day. I just wanted to point out that I believe the proximity to the mosaic at the millennia and where the vehicle is found is likely not a coincidence. The two locations are just about a mile apart in a huge city, and I think you and I are agreeing here in the sense that this means something that this either means the vehicle itself is a crime scene, even if that wasn't later detected by anybody, or this is to throw off the police, meaning that the person of interest had some connection to the location where the car came from, the apartment, the condo complex. Yeah, look, I'm a little call to action here. I'm going to post those three images, their surveillance images, onto our Instagram at True Crime Garage. I will also toss them up on our Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, True Crime Garage as well, or you could Google them. But let us know in the blog what you think. Maybe somebody out there can see something that somebody else hasn't yet. Yeah, or or has some kind of life experience or whatever that will will play into some idea that we've not discussed. Right, but we're not done with this uh car yet right or the person of interest so Mm -hmm. despite initially looking promising the car and then the surveillance video they're not really super helpful right right and another piece of confusing evidence in this case the orlando police department employed a tracking dog named Bo to sniff jennifer's car in the huntington on the green lot and then track that scent He walked the 1.1 miles straight back to Mosaic at Millennia. Instead of going through the main gate, he walked past that area through a large break in the fence, which separated the development from the public sidewalk and to the bottom of the open air back stairwell that leads up to Jennifer's condo on the second floor. Okay. If the tracking dog is accurate, then whoever drove the Malibu left it in that parking lot and then walked back to the condos where Jennifer lived. Yeah. It, this seems to be the primarily the reason that the, the Kessies, Drew, Joyce, and Logan, all believe that one or more of the workers that were working there are responsible for what happened to Jennifer. Now... There has been some argument that the dog, here's the problem. And I've discussed this. Well, there's always problems with dogs. Well, every case you got to believe it or not. You got to believe the dog or not. Well, and they can't exactly, they're not telling you exactly. They're, they're tracking something. They can't tell us exactly what it is that they are tracking. So keeping that in mind, many people have pointed out, well, is it possible that the dog is just, retracing the the movements of this vehicle all the way back to where it came from right 
I understand that argument. The problem I have with that argument is that it didn't, the dog didn't go through the main gate. The dog essentially went through a hole in the fence, went through a, a broken down portion of the fence and then back to, that's where, that's how somebody would go on foot not the movements of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Somebody didn't drive that vehicle off road. <laughs> so I find well, it, you don't know. I, I find it to be more heavily, more accurate or more likely. I should say right. that the person of interest, whoever left that vehicle but in that the, parking right, lot, but if the went back of, to the condo on foot, right. But if the person of interest wasn't in the car that long, you would think that the dog would have a hard time picking up that person's scent, and that's what they would be following back. If they only moved the car from the condos to the apartments, it's only a mile. Right. So I, I, I don't know. But then you have to call in a question, what is the dog tracking? Right. Because it seems, again, like I pointed out with the the where the vehicle was placed, and where we know it would have been at one time, regardless if Jennifer moved it or the the person of interest moved it. No, 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 no. Uh, I, I agree with you somewhat, but what I'm saying is if that perpetrator or the POS was in that car for a little bit longer, then maybe there would be more of a substantial substance for the dog to track is what I'm saying. Right. No, I know exactly what you're saying. I'm just pointing out that I think I find it too big of a coincidence that the car is found within 1.1 walking miles distance from where it started off or should have been. So to me, that that is too much of a coincidence that it was moved for any other reason other than for it not to be found at the condo complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then to top that off, the dog does not know where Jennifer Kessie lives. It's too much of a coincidence that the dog then returns to the apart to the condo complex. Right, right. But okay, to be clear, it just the dog doesn't go to to her door. It just goes to this the parking garage where her car came from. Right. Yeah, that's well, not the garage, her parking spot. It goes to the stairwell that led this. These are the stairs that she would have had to go to and from to get from condo to car, car to condo. Yeah, because I I just wonder if it's possible that this individual didn't just go back to the condo unit to get in a car and leave if he actually went back into her condo. I can't. Yeah, I can't say for Which makes me very upset that they didn't process her condo. I feel like had this, this individual... I mean, why would the dog stop all of a sudden there? I mean, the the dog traced this scent for 1.1 miles to right. the to the stairs or near the stairs in that parking area. Right. If this perpetrator went back up to her condo, you think the dog would go? All the I way? think the dog would have went all the way up there. I think right. you're right. I think that I think this individual. The reason why the dog stops there is the foot traffic scent that was created by this perpetrator ended there meaning this individual got into his vehicle or somebody else's and left right that captain technically is the end of the actual known evidence all of it in this case but it is far far from over and there is so much more to discuss 
All right, Colonel, do we have any recommended reading this week? Well, we've done missing persons cases for the last two weeks, so I think it's only fitting that we feature a great book called The Lost Brothers, A Family's Decades-Long Search by Jack L. High. This is the story of a decades-long ordeal, one of the oldest known active missing child investigations told by a writer whose own research for an article in 1998 sparked new interest in the boy's disappearance. Check that out by going to truecrimegarage.com. You can find all of our recommended titles there on the recommended page. Yeah, make sure you check us out on the Stitcher app. You can get all of our old episodes for free. And you can check out our other show, Off the Record, our bonus show, Off the Record, on Stitcher Premium. Until next week, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.